You're listening to Technical Outcast. I'm your host, Steve Reagan. Joining me today is the team from Curated Intelligence, and we're going to be talking about some ransomware. So sit back and relax, and we'll be right back with you. Welcome back. Like I said, the topic today is ransomware. Joining me is Cypher from Curated Intelligence. Cypher, why don't you break down who's with us here in the, the recording box on Discord and uh, tell me a little bit about this Conti ransomware. Yeah, sure. We've had a really busy week with Conti ransomware and uh, joining us to talk about it today are a variety of people. We have a fantastic threat emulation team uh, here with us, uh, namely um just listing off some aliases, Kiz, Heavy Metal Admin, Rob, Shotgunner. Uh, we also have Mr. Bushido here joining us to talk about some enrichment here and there, maybe a bit of uh, about the ransomware as a service economy, maybe a malware families connected with Conti. Um, we also have Fabian, Toffee, a whole bunch of great people are here. There may be more names that come up and we'll introduce them as we go if we need to. Sounds like a plan. So for those who don't know, Tell me a little bit about the uh, the Conti ransomware. Like, when did it first hit the scene, and why is this week more important than others when it comes to why everybody's kind of talking about it? Well, this week Conti really hit off because the well, first of all, they've been in operation since December 2019, and I just want to highlight that they're um, attributed to a threat group called Wizard Spider. And this often gets some confusion with Ryuk and Conti. Both are attributed to Wizard Spider, but nonetheless, these are two different ransomware families. So the reason why it's so hot this week was because a um, affiliate, a part of the ransomware as a service uh, 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 program, they, they were angry about their experience with, I guess, the operators or developers of Conti. And as a result, they took a lot of the playbooks that they have. These are guides for how to actually intrude in networks, uh, move around laterally, and um, gain these types of privileges and ultimately deploy the Conti ransomware. So an angry affiliate went to XSS forum, a cybercrime forum, and leaked all of these different guides, which led to a boom of threat intelligence folks coming around and trying to map this to different frameworks, understand the behaviors, search for indicators. And ultimately, it's just led to a lot of discussion about Conti ransomware this week. So I'm curious, uh, when you say a playbook, so it's similar to uh, tech support call centers where they, they have this uh, script that their agents could read. So if somebody calls in with XYZ problem, you flip to page for XYZ and read them through the steps. You're telling me they have playbooks where they teach people how to get into networks and then navigate themselves around? Exactly. So they've become so mature at this that it's become standard operating procedure. And they clearly have these um, these handbooks and these guides, mostly written in Russian, but plenty of folks have now translated and translated it into good English. And it clearly defines like step by step, line by line, um, what, what kind of steps they need to take in order to eventually lead to deploying Conti. It's, uh, by the looks of it, it's really never been easier. All right. So let's bring in some of the others here. And I can see floating around the chat room. Who do you want to start with? Who's our first victim? Cypher, who do you want to pick on? 
Well, uh, I think Kiz would be a great candidate to there you give go. a uh, overview of what the, the experience of identifying this uh, this incident this week has been like, and having to run through like searching for these different behaviors and indicators. Uh, Kiz, how's your experience been with this? Hey, thanks, Cyber. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty great. Um, it's been probably one of the more interesting weeks that I've ever personally had in like a threat intelligence type of role. Uh, we've uh, where we're where, where I work currently, we've moved uh, moved more towards a adversarial emulation type of um, way of trying to push our vendors into the I guess the next level of evolution or trying to you know poke at them and find ways then you know different ways that they might um, have better coverage or the lack of capabilities on their end that might enable us to then use either Sysmon or some other detections that we can look around, um, you know, to try to work around some of those gaps. Because it, it does seem to be that if you're using your vendors and your tools as a silver bullet to detect and alert to pretty much everything in, um, in this industry, and, you know, just from, from attackers and threat groups, it's, it's not enough. You really do need to try to take an even larger threat hunting um, stance in regards to different things. And this playbook and operational guide has been paramount to building new detections and just testing some of the old things that you were like, surely this won't work, but I don't know how many people are actually putting their environments to the test. Like how many people are going within a lab, a real, an actual real feeling lab environment that, and that mimics their their organization's devices exactly and trying to run against the the configs that they have running, the tools, the entire defensive stack. I mean, how how often is that being done? I mean, the good, you know, the better places probably do it, but um, you know, most people are probably not taking that extra step to actually test a lot of these things that are coming out. So they just assume like you from from an exact example from the operational guy, there's an anydesk.ps1. Well, to me, that's an easy, pretty straight up detection. And while um, particular portions of the security stack do detect to the script, others that you would think this is the easiest thing that they've ever done, just let it go right by without even causing a low level detection. Um, so it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, and then you try to work different ways. Like, so the anydesk.ps1, it goes out, downloads, um, essentially downloads any desk, and within the same PowerShell script, creates, uh, uses net user add to create a new user, creates a, um, creates a registry key to add that to a, sp a special win logon group. You know, all in the same script, which is, you know, an administrator would do those kind of things, but at the same time, they need um, our tools aren't picking up as well as we would like them to. Um, so it just, it definitely is a, an extra step that everybody, in my opinion, needs to be taken. Uh, just be, I mean, selfishly, obviously, because that's what I'm heavily involved in. But um, it's definitely been a great week because we've been able to put a lot of things to the test and prove a lot of points, especially in regards to remote management software. Um, I don't know how often people have to butt up against a, um, the issues at large organizations about actually getting some of this stuff out of there that would seem as a dead giveaway, but it's 
um, it proves to be much harder than um, would prove to be. So definitely, um, you know, definitely happy to talk about all of this and hoping that we can, you know, get some good points and um, have some good discussion about it all. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that overview. Um, kids, uh, a question that I'm kind of having here is, uh, you know, we're talking about threat emulation. And um, could, could you describe the importance of threat emulation? And well, what's with this? I'm hearing threat emulation more and more. Uh, there's new trainings coming out about it, all of this jazz. And uh, suddenly it seems like more and more people are wanting to do threat emulation with specifically uh, ransomware. And this uh, set of playbooks seem, that has been leaked by Conti seems to have made it uh, a lot easier for a lot of threat emulation teams to suddenly say, hey, we can easily map this to different frameworks. So yeah, exactly. my, my, my question to you is, um, what is the importance of threat emulation? And um, what's so important about this uh, Conti playbook leak for you and your team that made you jump at it? No, it's just been great that, um, you know, just to have this at the ready to really sell the idea, because it, it's actually probably about as good of timing as we could have hoped for and gotten, because... Um, we're still, I don't want to say getting our feet wet because, you know, we're, um, you know, rather experienced cyber people, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of the actual within our current environment, doing the adversarial emulation stuff, um, you know, we're still sort of getting, getting our, you know, getting up to speed and then also trying to sell the idea to leadership. And this is going to be in my opinion, paramount to selling the idea, the Conti ransomware leak in general, the operational guide, um, because it it helps us prove that the stack isn't enough and that we do have to have extra detections and that we have to put these tools to the test. You can't just assume that since you think something's egregious, that it's probably going to, you know, it's probably going to find it. That's just, that's not good enough. You actually have to test these things out and try. Um Okay. So, and then, um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, ju just I'm still having the question of, you know, what is the importance of threat emulation? Um, so for us, it was stemming. I don't want to call it a failure, but it's a. It stems from a. Um, we tried to get more involved in uh, purple teaming, and while that initiative is definitely valuable, um, we haven't gotten the full workflow and information flow of threat intelligence ingested in TTPs extracted and then emulation efforts done to meet gaps and build detections and those kind of things like it's so what I like to call it is that we've taken more of a deep purple stance um, and brought adversarial emulation back entirely into our sock and um, it's just proven that we can be a little bit more efficient to take this and not be so bogged down in the engagement mindset or vulnerability assessing. And I'm not worried about vulnerability assessments. It's a delineation of, in my opinion, um, diverging from purple teaming and which is, was the hot buzzword for a little while into more of a efficient manner of detect of taking threat intelligence from the industry stage and piping it through your workflows to build, um, you know, meaningful detections that, and close gaps like it's good to know when they're trying they try powershell empire they try power Spoolie, they try all these other tools and mimi cats and blah 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 well it's great that our defenses are able to take those cookie cutter versions of those and swat them down like flies that's it's great i can probably just kind of 
um, disregard the specific tool, the specific hash, that specific thing, but what the tool does, the inner workings of PowerShell Empire. Like PowerShell Empire is a tool, but it has hundreds of different things probably by now that it can do. And they're all based on, and they're all different things that you and your organization may want to try to detect to or see how good your tools will take those onesie twosie um, techniques versus the entire tool being dropped on the box itself. Okay, I'm, I'm going to hold you there. Right at the end there, you, you highlighted a really good point. You're taking the exact tools and the procedures used by these different adversaries, and you're mapping them out, and essentially you're wanting to recreate them to run tests within your own environment. Uh, do, do you think that this really has practical value from, like, let's say we map out all of these different behaviors, indicators from the Conti ransomware playbooks that were leaked. Um, and and, and you, you map all these things out and you figure out how you can simulate it in your own environment. Uh, by running this type of simulation, do you think you could prevent a Conti incident from happening in the future? Uh, and how likely are these uh, emulations to, to change with time? Uh, yeah. uh, so it's definitely going to depend on that's definitely key is that you want to take a modern adversary like it's not um you know if you're working with a it's good to work with playbooks because you know old, old attacks and old tricks um still work oftentimes so you definitely want to take um you know if you got some off you know some downtime take a look at some older things but you definitely want to be um combating against modern attackers and modern threat groups so this Conti ransomware thing being dropped was great because it gave insight directly into specifically what they do, the tools they use, the kind of things that they um, will try to do on a system. What administrative tools do they pull down and how do your tools react when you do the same and run them? It's just, it's paramount because AD find is, I can't begin to tell you how egregious of a tool it is. And the fact that it works um, in a lot of environments is, insane so um, you definitely want to take a stab and see it within your environment how often are these kind of things even used if it's zero then guess what ding 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 you get to make a new detection on those tools and those things being used at all that's a great win um in your environment so okay um, okay and then just there you asked you did ask another question um in regards yeah. to um what was it again i'm sorry yeah, sure. So how likely, if, you know, based on all these behaviors and indicators that we've observed in these playbooks, how likely is it that teams are going to be able to emulate this, uh, put it in practice in their own environments safely so and, the, the and possibly prevent a real Conti incident? So the big difference is, is outside, like you're delineating between and diverging from malware reverse engineering, which is fantastic and has its own merits and own rights, but it doesn't, um, sometimes it doesn't tell you about how they got to that point. It's not, that's not telling you the whole playbook, the whole shebang. They're more so um, breaking down that end piece, which is fantastic and helpful to break down infrastructure and um, track campaigns and those kind of things. But in terms of the actual like TTPs of the group on how they get to that point, laterally move from the, um, how they laterally move from point A to point B, how they deploy a, an executable to a domain controller, um, just different things like that uh, are just so much more valuable to me as a threat emulator than um, the IOCs generated from a um, 
okay. you know, from all that kind of thing. And I do believe that this helps because you're a going to be able to push your vendors into a better direction, but B, um, you know, hold their feet to the fire, but then B you'll also, um, like we're building detections to where we're going to try to, um, we're going to potentially try to detect to when they're doing the things up to that point. Um, and I do believe that through these efforts that this is as close as we're going to be able to get to emulating a true adversary and um, by mimicking them, building detections around it. You know, it's um, I definitely believe that we're going to be in a better place to attempt to stop them after this, uh, the adversarial emulation engagement that we've done this past week. Okay, so ultimately on a best effort basis, uh, if you actually mapped all of this out and you built it into policies, you could in theory stop these types of groups. Okay, so uh, from here we have another point coming from uh, Jake or Mauer Jake, and he says, this leak removes the argument that, quote, nobody would do that, end quote. Jake, do you want to explain a little bit more about where you're coming from with that statement? Definitely. And hey, appreciate uh, appreciate the time. Appreciate having me on. Um, look, uh, you know, one of the things we hear consistently, particularly when we start talking about, you know, pedestrian uh, kind of activities, right, with, you know, whether it's a net user, you know, or the net local group administrators, fo folks come back, like, no, threat actors are, are way better than this. They're so much better. And it's, you know, the, the reality is that, that a, a document like this showing that not only are they doing it, right? This isn't just the threat intelligence report. This is the threat actor's own playbook. Um, and you know, when you read something like this, it, it's important to really step back and ask, why did they have to build the playbook in the first place um, if it's something that's so pedestrian? Um, and it really takes away some of the, uh, gosh, I don't know how I want to word this here, deity-like sentience, right? That, that some folks imbue threat actors with. Um, the reality is these folks just aren't that great. And and it, it, it does show you the, uh, it does really show, or a lot of these folks, there's some really good ones out there, but but it really does take away the argument that nobody would ever use such simplistic techniques. It's like, not only do they, and we know that already from experience, this is the threat actor's own training manual. It's their own operations manual that, that shows how to go perform these uh, perform these intrusions. So it completely takes off the table that that argument now, I think forevermore, the threat actors won't use these pedestrian techniques. Yeah, see, that's where I was going earlier when I said it's like a, an old tech support script that you see. It's like the fact that literally what they're running through is their playbook, like an honest to true life playbook. Like this is how they look at a network, view a network, how they play with the tools and configure it. And uh, watching the conversation here in the, the chat room, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, we have a couple of other experts with us. And I'm uh, looking down at you, Shotgunner. I can see you down there. I have a question for you. You ready to play? I'm ready. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. He's ready. He's ready. All right, let's do this. Um, when it came to like emulation and things, when we when you look at this playbook and you see how they were going about their business, what are some of the pitfalls that that admins can fall into when trying to do actor emulation? Like, what are some of the the hangups that could happen? Walk me through some of that. How does that work? So first of all, there's, um, I'd say like one of the very first barriers of, of entry in terms of a, a company, there's not going to be a lot of people that generally are, are very open um, to the idea of you actually emulating attacker techniques, at least initially until you can show that there's value in it and kind of win over management. 
So that that's kind of the first pitfall that you run into after you show that there's value in it and that you can actually use that to improve detection and prove that there's gaps in your tools and that the tools need improvement, et cetera. Then it, it kind of becomes more of a um, like working one one tool after another, I guess you could say. Um, so you want to wa walk through like each one of your vendors stack. Um, let's say you have a focus specifically on endpoint as a person on a threat emulation team. Um, you'll want to walk through like the AV, the next-gen AV, the EDR, et cetera. Um, and sometimes bringing those issues, this, the second thing that I've noticed is that bringing issues to the vendors, really no matter the vendor, no matter the relationship we've had with the vendor, um, there can definitely be pitfalls in terms of people, um, I guess, kind of, I don't want to say touchy, but like if you bring enough issues, um, people start kind of um, feeling like you're targeting them, like you're selecting them out, like you're trying to purposely prove that there's an issue with their product, but really all you're trying to do is prove that there's certain gaps that they can fix and then improve their product, right? But um, after enough of those issues, sometimes it can it can kind of, I guess, get misinterpreted from being attempting to help, right, to being um, like you're trying to make them look bad, quote unquote, right? So that's kind of the second thing that I've noticed. The third thing, you really need a test environment that's actually a um, like a, a golden image of what you would have inside of your network, for example. Um, and the main reason because of that, um, that you need that is because you need to be able to actually run through your entire stack of tools. Um, and depending on how large your team is, if let's say you have 20, 30 people, then centralization is definitely a very useful thing. Um, being able to actually use the same um, adversarial emulation, for example, in the cloud instance um, image for the OS itself for your whole team is useful. If you have a team of just like three or four people, then it's not really going to matter as much. You might just run it like on a virtual machine on on your computer. I mean, it's normally best if you're messing around with malware to try to segregate it from anything you're doing, work or personal related, try to have like your own segmented off network separate from your personal devices, your your work devices, et cetera. So there's literally no chance of any kind of spreading, et cetera. Um, one of the things to kind of, it's a, I guess you could say another pitfall on that is depending on what you're testing, for example, um, if if you were testing something like WannaCry, just to kind of show what kind of TTPs it has um, in your environment, then you can actually have it trying to go out and actually spread to other networks, right? Because it's going to try to scan the public internet. It's going to try to infect those. So there's certain ports you're going to want to try to block. There's certain things you're going to try want to try to do um, before you kind of start trying to emulate using malicious tools um, within an environment. I'm trying to think of where I want to take us next because one of the questions I see in the chat down there is, um, you know, who runs emulation testing in, in various orgs? Is it always going to be one group or, or one individual? Is it going to be a team? Is it a multi-tiered process? Like, does it make sense for CTI teams to run this kind of testing or does it need to be somewhere further up the chain? How does, how does that work when you go to implement this type of, of setup? Um, I could probably talk about it. So um, for us, it's been through, like I said before, like trials and tribulations of other efforts. And then we've led, it's just led us to feeling like this was the best way to 
um, spin what, where we wanted to take it next. Um, I do believe, so where we currently work, there, we're in a security operations center that's rather all-encompassing of CTI, detection engineering. Um, we're on a special um, uh, group called research and engineering, which is more so um, a lot of different things. <laughs> so um, we definitely um, try to ingest as much intelligence as we can and help. And we do have um, a side of the SOC for incident handling and uh, groups that help us with the detection engineering and the tool side. I mean, there's, you know, it's such a big organization. We genuinely, we genuinely have um, quite the plethora of people to help us at any given time on different things. But um, I've, you know, um, there's three other people here that are on my team. And I guess if I had to say who runs it, um, me, probably, I guess if anybody had to run, um, say that they're running the show for the emulation thing, I guess it would be me um, outside of, um, we have a lead analyst, but he typically just kind of let me lets me do the major part of it. Um, and we try to define hunts and build the incidents, you know what I'm saying? Like the flow would go, Threat intelligence on the left side, we're on that left side, and then we kind of go through the emulation portion and then the detection engineering portion, and then it bleeds over into incident handling more over on that right side. Um, I believe Florian Roth may have posted a really good image for that, and it matches up to what we're aspiring to do very well. Um, so, you know, it's more so setting up the reports and the hunts and the um, just overall processes to build the incidents for the incident handlers to go and look into. Um, so um, definitely, you know, but definitely been fun. It's an interesting thing. Um, let's see. I think there was something about automated or emu automated or manual uh, emulation within the chat. So we definitely try to do both. Um, there's tools out there. You know, of course, your cobalt strikes. Yeah, I guess that's an emulation tool. Um, there's Prelude, there's um, Blindspot, a few others. Um, for right now, we're doing tons of manual efforts, which is once again why this Connie Ransomware guide has been just absolutely fantastic um, because it's given us a manual, um, like a, uh, well, a manual to manually do things within our uh, adversarial emulation um, environment. So it's just been fantastic, honestly. Okay, thank you for that explanation about how uh, uh, threat emulation can be used in an organization and which teams are, are doing what. So we have a really good uh, question here coming from uh, Triwolf, and we just want to bring it back to Conti and how it's run, then disseminated to protections uh, that we can perhaps uh, find the threats with, so we can have uh, different behavioral detection policies or uh, indicators of compromise, whatever it may be. And uh, yeah, so the question is, is uh, how is Conti run then disseminated uh, to uh, protections? And um, with the current analyst knowledge that we have of this, just following along as we go, uh, how much of this is new news and how much of this is old news? Um, let's see, I'd say quite honestly, all of it is old news. I mean, if you want to be completely um, fair and honest, but the so, but the difference is, is that like Jake was saying, it's the reality of real real attackers are really using this to really do things on a real environment. You know what I mean? Like it's it's no longer just 
well, they'll probably just add a net. They'll just probably use net user ad to add an account. They that's what they do. They're, they'll probably use Splash Top in any desk. No, not probably. Not who would do that. That's literally what they do. Um, so it's just been kind of good to. I don't think any of it has been new new but the newness is just the fact that it is something that you actually do need to care about it is, yeah validation it's truly something that i can take to my management in a report say we've made these changes to the environment through these detections and threat hunts through and now we feel better protected against this particular and other threat actor groups um so it's been you know it's been pretty great um Okay. And but yeah, it, it definitely a lot of old news. I uh, definitely don't want to say that it's all old, but I I mean, if any you know anybody, feel free to correct me if I'm misspeaking. Okay. But I haven't seen anything new now. Well, well no. it does sound like hold on, Cypher. Hold on, okay. hold on. K Kids made a good point. And <clears throat> for those of you not familiar with this area, when when we talk about things are old, you got to remember that a lot of us fall into. It's not necessarily a trap, but it is a trap. You see, when things like this come out, if you're familiar with, you know, defending and you're familiar with locating attack patterns and things like this, looking at those manuals, it's not new to you. You understand that they're going to do this. You know they're going to do that. You're expecting these types of attack techniques and things like this. So when you look at all of it put into a manual, an instruction guide for new affiliates, you're like, oh, this is old news. But it's new news in the sense that you have never had, I mean, for <laughs> printed out and you've got physical proof that what you've been talking about, these changes you've been wanting to make to your environment over the last year or so, the physical proof now, this is what they do. We're making these changes because this is what we do. You have something you can put into a report, you can hand to somebody, you could physically place it in their hands and say, look, step 31 right there, it tells you that they do this. So we're changing our environment that so that that doesn't work anymore. You don't get to do that very much. You don't get to do that a lot. So, and, and, you know, any of you, feel free to jump in. When was the last time you physically had a manual of operations that you can play test against yourselves and then go through and say, hey, we're going to make these changes because we can see what they're doing right here? I've never. But Bushido um, may have some deep intel, uh, intel knowledge on how, uh, how often something like this may come about, honestly. I. I've personally, um, we haven't been doing the emulation things as long, but I personally haven't had a detailed operational guide like this at my disposal um, ever. So, yeah, I'm happy to jump in. I think this, I think the the depth that this goes into of these playbooks from the Rogue Conti affiliate are probably the most detailed leaks from a, inside a, I guess you could say, cyber criminal APT group or ransomware operation. Um, and yeah, it's highly beneficial for defenders. But I mean, yeah, they the the Conti group has been around for a, a while, and that's just the ransomware operation. The actual threat actors behind Conti are, you know, the Wizard Spider group. They have been around for even longer. They've been around since like at least 2016, potentially earlier, with um, the Dire Trojan. Um, I mean, they were originally a banking Trojan group that used to run fraud um, wire transfer, like fraudulent um, collecting credentials and, and wire transfers and that type of fraud. Um, they, you know, they originally began with TrickBot um, in 2016, and then they 
they would distribute TrickBot using the Emotat Trojan, and then using Emotat um, and TrickBot, they would then end up deploying um, Riot ransomware. And then, so it's the difference between Riot and Conti is kind of interesting. So Riot's been around for a long time as well. Maybe I think around 2018, perhaps maybe earlier. But they, you know, they they wouldn't. This was before the sort of data theft extortion campaigns that we we've been seeing since uh, 2019. They they would just, you know, I want to say your typical big game hunting ransomware group, um, but because there are there are a few and they have been around for you know a good few years. But Conti sort of came along. And it's sort of like a parallel campaign alongside Riot. So Conti is a ran- like a ransomware as a service operation. They, they de- the, the Wizard, Wizard Spider gang develop the ransomware itself, the payment servers, the leak servers. Uh, they deal with all that stuff. Whereas uh, the affiliates, they go in and actually deploy the tools and the handbook. So the playbooks are for the affiliates, not necessarily the, the RAS developers, not for Wizard Spider themselves. Although... It's li- it's likely that Wizard Spider could have developed those playbooks, but don't use them themselves. It's almost like we are doing so many ransomware campaigns, we can't do them all ourselves, so we have to pay other people or give m- other people our tools and just rent them out. So, but then again, the Riot ransomware group is still you know there's a couple of variants of Riot, so there's a, there's a, there's more than one team running Riot, but they you know they don't. It seems like that's like a private closed group, whereas Conti is a little bit more open. Um, not as open as something like Our Evil, where they were very public on the forums um, and you know even on social media and things and and interviews with journalists. They're they're a little bit less close, more closed than that. But um, yeah, it's a very interesting dynamic between those t- sort of two parallel campaigns. Um, yeah, Con- so Conti is distributed in several ways. They the main thing they use is the bizarre loader and trickbot, but then they—it's also suspected that they purchase access from access brokers uh, using malware such as Iced ID. Um, more recently, the system BC Rat um, that ha- Riot has used before in the past as well, and the Boo loader as well that I think Riot has used, and it's thought to be that Conti is using it as well. Um, and you know, it goes—it goes—it sort of builds upon that whole idea of a cyber criminal underground and they're all connected and they all are looking to purchase access for the next big score in their big game hunting campaign um yeah i mean it's 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 interesting so they're a financially motivated criminal group and they they have roots in fraud and banking trojans and things and the next phase for them is you know are they going to go the same way as our evil? I mean, I, I'm looking at my dashboard on uh, my threat intelligence platform now, and the last 30 days, they've leaked data from 33 victims. And, you know, these aren't small victims. These are big companies from America and the UK. Um, and, you know, it's I think they're at the highest number of leaks out of any ransomware group as well. So, I mean, hopefully these playbooks will... that um, analysts and defenders will use to sort of put, put stop Conti in their tracks. Hopefully that those number of leaks will start to come down <laughs> in theory. So then that leads to uh, the two questions here that we've got 
in the uh, chat. The first is, have we seen any increase in Conti after the other ones went dark? And then my follow-up to that one is also, you know, if you have seen an increase, has there been any notable changes since their documentation was leaked? And then prior to that, we had another one. <clears throat> yeah, so that's a good question. So was, was there any... Was there any changes since um, like our evil went dark? Um, is a, is a good question. It's hard to say because I mean, ransomware attacks they can take maybe two weeks at the minimum. Some of them some of them can be pretty quick, but generally it's about two weeks for them to get into a network, steal enough data for it to be important, and then you know get to the critical servers and then deploy the ransomware across the network. The deploying of the ransomware is the final stage, and they usually are in networks for a good few weeks. Um, so it's actually there's a bit of a delay. So I mean, our evil disappeared. Uh, when was it? July around the Casera event. Um, that so I mean we're only two weeks into August, so it's probably going to be another few weeks before we actually can tell who's you know come out on top of that. I mean I I've definitely noticed that Lockbit has has skyrocketed pretty much since our evil um, disappeared. But I mean, time will tell. This this could be due to some other external factor that we're just not aware of yet. Um, and then what was the second question? No, oh, I was just, you actually answered it already. And then okay. the one, <laughs> one prior to that here in chat was uh, uh, something that uh, Triwolf had brought up and trying to find it. Oh, yeah already becoming one of my must-reads for defense staff. So here's my question, Triwolf, and you can feel free to jump in conversationally or type in chat. If it's becoming your must-read for your team, do you think then it should be a must-read for all other teams? Do you think this is valuable and everybody should be checking that out? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, especially with... I don't want to pick on SOC analysts, but especially in the SOC, um, you know, I've run SOC for five years now as one of my teams. And the common complaint I get from every analyst who's just starting out or hasn't been in a major IR is, well, I don't know what bad looks like. I don't know what the attackers look like. And thankfully, right now, we have a step-by-step -step guide <laughs> on what attackers look like. Um, so it could be a really, really helpful exercise and use case to go through these step-by-step -step with your defenders and say, hey, what is... What is this going to look like in our environment? What would you do next? Would you detect this? Why or why not? And do you understand how this gets them to their endpoint? Um, but I absolutely think this should be kind of one of those standard use cases for defenders, um, probably for the next few years. I mean, tried and true methods are still working, clearly. Yeah, I agree, actually. I mean, the my side of it, without you know having any not sock management experience as the mere fact is you know like i was saying earlier this is literally something you can print out and, and like place in someone's hand you have a physical manual of threat actor operations like here you go you've never seen this before like that's what entertained me the most when i i saw that this got leaked now granted i was at a conference so i didn't get a chance to you know download it and and read it like everyone else did until much later but the mere fact that the you have a manual, it's just amazing to me that, you know, this is something that people have speculated about for a long time, that a lot of these groups are very, very basic in their organizational structure and how they go about their quote unquote business. 
And one thing you do in business is you have documentation and training for all of your employees. You make sure that they know how to do the job or the task at hand. And here it is, a criminal's training guide. You just don't see that. Like it's it's just funny to to you know realize that you were right all along when you hear, you know, many conferences, people talking about this stuff. So we're gonna start kind of wrapping this up, and there's there's a couple of things. Uh, that I've been seeing in chat that I want to talk about. And anybody, feel free to jump in and, and call it out. When it comes to guides like the the Conti ransomware one, were there any mistakes in it? Were there any glaring errors or things that you could tell was like outdated? And if so, are you willing to talk about those? <laughs> I can think of one thing. I'm... I'm... I'm sure someone else will want to chime in, but I mean, it was interesting that they brought up zero logon um, to use to, you know, get to the, the domain controllers very quickly. That so, Ryak and Conti both used that to um, very quickly authenticate as like domain admin. But I mean, that was patched very early in. Is it even 2020? I want to say like they're still using that, that vulnerability in networks because it's so reliable. But um, I mean, there's better ones now. <laughs> we have Print Nightmare and, uh, you know, variations on that vulnerability and methods to get in, like proxy logon and proxy shell. So I'm sure those are all going to appear soon as well. But, yeah, I found the, the appearance of zero logon quite interesting, seeing as it's, it's been around a while now. Actually, one of the other uh, comments in chat that kind of uh, entertained me was somebody had mentioned, should law enforcement register as affiliates to get more of this information. Uh, my response to that is we have no proof that they haven't already. And I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a risk. I, I don't know if that's going to be a stable thing to do, but it's certainly a nifty idea. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, we have no way to know if they haven't done it already. Uh, who else? who wants to join? I saw that. Who who wants to join? Jump in the channel. You want you want to come in and play? Come on in. I'll uh, interject for a moment. Go. Um, so for I don't really have anything uh, great to add to this, but I, I have to say, uh, last December 2020, uh, our offensive security team and full disclosure, I, I work with a threat intelligence team for a consulting organization. We have some different teams. We have the DFER team, so digital forensics and incident response. We have our SOC team, security operations. We have OPSEC, offensive security. And um, back in December 2020, we were asked to uh, fully map out uh, at least three ransomware campaigns and then do a heat map so that, uh, well, the, the request was from our offensive security team. They wanted us to map these three groups out, and they just wanted to look at the, the most commonly used techniques uh, among those three. And it was a fun activity. The, you know, Our clients liked it, our, our teams liked it, and they, they actually got to use it. Now, fast forward, uh, we haven't really done too much of that uh, t today, like half a year later, um, just due to resource limitations. But with this Conti leak, suddenly it popped back up that we're doing threat emulation again, and we want threat emulation. So when we mapped out this uh, 
this uh, set of Conti playbooks, suddenly our SOC is interested, our, our DFER team is interested, our OPSEC team is asking for it, and they're all looking for different ways to use it. So this has been a really exciting time to be able to um, actually see this exposure and be able to follow all of these different behaviors. It's uh, it's really been, been awesome. And I, I really couldn't thank uh, the Conti affiliate more for making it so easy. <laughs> well, quote unquote, easy, but you know. Dear anonymous affiliate, <laughs> lols. Thank you. <laughs> uh oh, oh, who who jumped in? I saw somebody jump in. No, wait, that was the exit music. Oh, we're losing the crowd. We're losing them. Cipher. What are we gonna do? Um. Well, I think we can maybe start uh, wrapping up. I mean, like, what what do we expect moving forward? So this is uh, you know, this is Conti ransomware. We we hear about these different stories every week, and even this week, we're we're talking about Conti. Why? Because a big thing happened. Well, what's going to happen next week? Are we still going to be talking about Conti? I don't know. What do you think? I think next week we'll still be talking about it a little bit, but I, I'm 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 seeing uh, news. We won't we won't name them right now, but there is another big company that's got a ransomware issue that's been going around, and a uh, there's another company that's dealing with. Um, a breach of some kind. I think you're going to see a, a mix of that and some other stuff in the news. What I think all of this is going to do <clears throat> going forward for the rest of this year and possibly early next year, it's going to increase the amount of attention and awareness that's given to threat actor operations. And I think that's going to change not just with how teams work in their environments. I think it's going to change their budgets. I think we're going to start seeing more spend when it comes to dealing with adversaries now. Because, again, for the first time, you have a physical manual in front of you. And when operational changes need to happen and there's a cost associated with it, you have something you could physically use to justify. And that's just almost unheard of. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to get you know money and it's just going to rain dollars from heaven. That's just not what I'm talking about. But what I am saying is you now have a new tool in your your line item that you can play with and that's just you know it's it's going to be entertaining to see because <clears throat> it's 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 a whole new ball game you know finally we're we're seeing the rest of the world get caught up on the concept of supply chain attacks and the fact that you know we're all connected it's all connected and once that that happened you know, from the, the big incident in July and everything like that, that was a wake-up call. And seeing manuals like this gives you an idea of just how basic some of these threat actors can be, but yet how devastating these basic things are. You know, it's, it's, it's a very much a, a eye-opening situation. So, before we fade out, Bushido, Kiz, anybody want to jump in and offer some final thoughts? Yeah, I have one thing I want to say. Um, I... I personally, I'm not sure about others, but I think this won't actually affect uh, Wizard Spider very much. Um, mainly because the group has been around for a long time. Conti almost seemed like a bit of a side hustle for the group to gain it, get it on, whilst all the others are doing it. But, you know, they've been around a long time, and they've been frauding, stealing millions of dollars, and they've, got, they've still got the Riot ransomware as sort of like a backup for, you know, big campaigns they want to run on their own so i i think this you know 
they may rebrand, they may carry on as usual because ransomware is very effective and a lot of companies still aren't able to stop it. So I think for them, it's they're going to carry on. I don't think this is a huge issue for them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't think it's going to actually impact their, their business too much. Um, at worst, I mean, they might decide to section off their tools, like certain maybe certain levels of trust with certain affiliates or something of that nature where, like, um, you don't get, like, the entire tool set and all the manuals, like, right off the bat. I don't know, something along those lines maybe is, like, a, um, a mitigation for something like this. But I think definitely they'll they'll continue operating and I don't think it's going to really stop them from what they're doing. Um, and the kind of one of the interesting kind of things I wanted to add was that the vast majority of the things that they do run on the endpoint are literally just commands that are already built into Windows. Um, and they download different tools from Microsoft and Nearsoft and different things of that nature, um, different backup software, etc. And all of it is just kind of generic tools that are being abused for malicious purpose. Um, so I guess that was kind of one of the other interesting takeaways was that it, it's not even just malware being used um, in in these attacks. It's actually legitimate software um, all over the endpoints themselves being downloaded, et cetera, for it. So it's definitely, definitely interesting. And of course, it, I, I just wouldn't be me if I didn't point out the comedy of the fact that one of your observations is that these criminals are now going to have to take a trust relationship type of stance in their uh, attack surface monitoring and development. That's that's just funny to me, the fact that now they have to, you know, <laughs> look at enterprise operations and mirror them even more than they already have. I don't know why that amuses me, but it does. And it's it's just, I don't know, it's just funny. But... We have reached the end of the program. And as I cue up our outro music, I do want to say thank you to, and I'm no particular order, Triwolf, Bushido, Cypher, Kiz, Michael, Shotgunner, we got uh, N14, Magpie, and everybody else here in Curated Intelligence. Thanks for hanging out with us. You can find us on Twitter, Curated Intelligence. Feel free to join us. We're happy to have you. And of course, I'm Steve Reagan. You can find me on Twitter at SteveD3. This has been Technical Outcast. Thanks for playing, and we'll see you next time.